1: Or source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Maureen Lennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are using this strange time of quarantine that we find ourselves living in during the COVID-19 pandemic to play catch up on news and listener feedback. Uh, but before we get to those emails, we need to get to... the news. On Sunday, April 26th, Supergirl returns with Melissa Benoit's directorial debut of the show. Uh, Morgan, were you
0: able to watch this trailer? I watched it, um, and I saw some of, uh, just brief flashes, just brief flashes, of my girl Eve. (gasps) or my girl Hope? Who knows? But I'm, we're, I think we're going to find out on
1: April 26th. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know much yet. It does seem like there's a lot of Lex Luthor, uh, some pencil skirts in there. Uh, Lex Luthor is actually <laughs> in his jammies. Uh, so we're going to get an intimate time with Lex Luthor.
2: Ooh.
0: <laughs> it looks like our it looks like our ship is set in sail. Rebecca.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Peanut butter, peanut butter and chocolate. Something like that. I think I was like, yeah, the peanut butter chocolate. <laughs> uh, yeah, so hopefully our favorite ship of the show is is gonna set sail with uh, this episode. But I we have we finally have a date for when the show is coming back because uh, for a while there it was a little uncertain. So April twenty sixth is when the show is gonna come back with new episodes, and uh, we'll we'll talk about Melissa Benoist and her directing. So that's very exciting. Uh so we'll have to see if we get any more information about Leviathan. It seems like there's a lot of Leviathan things going on.
0: I think we're going to finally find out what's up with Leviathan. Not everything, but some of what's up.
1: I mean, I just want a little more information.
0: What if it's a what if it's a Pencil Skirt like <gasps> like backstory episode?
1: Oh my gosh. Pencil Skirt, a d- a origin a life of Pencil Skirt. <laughs> pencil Skirt origin story. I am here for it. I'm excited about it.
0: Hopefully no one don't disappoint me, show. We just we just follow pencil skirt about her day. Like she goes to the Starbucks, she like asks to speak to somebody's manager. (laughs) I would love that. Um I
1: don't know if that's what this show what the what the episode is gonna be about, but that would be great if it was.
0: So uh (laughs) a new virtual fan convention uh will be streamed on April tenth to eleventh on Twitch. Uh, a portion of the sales, uh, I think it's 10% of the benefits, uh, will go towards the first responders first um, charity. And so HomeCon is what it's called. And it's going to feature 15 panels and one-on-one Zoom chats with guests for five minutes. Um, and those Zoom chats are going to cost you 50 bucks. And if you have Prime vid- Amazon Prime Video, you can subscribe to Twitch for free. Uh, if you don't, it's 499. Uh so you can visit homeconofficial.com for details and we have a couple of supergirl guests so so far the supergirl guests are Nicole Maines. uh andrea brooks and ozzy Testfly. so
1: morgan and i have been looking into this because we're (laughs) we're hoping to maybe cover this for next week's supergirl radio episode we thought this might make a good episode if they're going to do like a supergirl panel and we can discuss what they talked about but uh morgan I i want you to tell the listeners some of your thoughts about this because HomeCon. I think to both of us it has been very confusing so far
0: uh we had like a whole what was like a 20 minute discussion before the <laughs> podcast episode where I was just like Rebecca I've never felt older in my life I'm trying <laughs> to figure out how, how home con works like how how you do it how it's set up you go to the homepage at like the home dot com, and I was like okay well like okay, the, the, the Twitter account and the, the Instagram aren't telling me a whole lot, but okay, there's not a lot of nuance there. Let's go to the homepage. Let's see them spell it all out. And then I scrolled the homepage for like five minutes just going, there's gotta be more than this. <laughs> uh, and then I got to the schedule. It's a two-day convention. And I was like, feels like the schedule's only for one day. Where's day two? I kept just hitting schedule and it just kept taking me back to the same schedule, and I was like, "Okay, you know what? You know what? Schedule doesn't matter. Schedule doesn't <laughs> matter. Let's do a one-on-one. Let's see if we can, let's see if we can buy a ticket. It says buy a ticket. What's the ticket to? I don't know. Let's find out. I click buy a ticket. Takes me back to the schedule. So <laughs> it was a it was a fun experience for me. Also, just feel it necessary to say that though apparently um, some of the profits are going to a charity called First Responders First, which is awesome. It is nowhere on the actual website just just quick facts just things that people might want to look at and think about for the next time the next pandemic when we're all stuck inside and we need a virtual convention
1: well and uh if i was first responders first and and these famous people these celebrities who are raising money for my organization
0: i would want my organization on the website i know i'd be like so jazzed be like awesome what great publicity for me and they're like don't worry it's nowhere on the website
1: (laughs) (laughs) and it's really interesting
0: because the if i'm looking
1: at the right organization so i'm looking at first dot com. It's not exactly what I thought it would be in terms of like the quarantine COVID-19, you know, people like in an ER or whatever. This is like um it's it's an organization oh. that raises or not it's, it's an organization that treats addiction,
0: I think. Okay, so when you go to web page which I went to firstrespondersfirst.com, not entirely sure that's the charity. I'm not though. I'm not um, either. It's, I will say, beautiful Tutor house. That's <laughs> what I'm getting. I thought I would be seeing people in scrubs, and, me like, too. PPE, you know, fight in the good fight. What I see is like just a, a gorgeous Tudor. Um, <laughs> but I'm not sure how that uh, interacts in any way with what's happening right now in our world.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is probably a great organization. That does a lot of good for a lot of people, but it ju- it does seem a little strange, like it doesn't fit the 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 premise of what this is.
0: What I'm getting is that it's like um, it's like a medical and emotional facility for first responders, located in the breathtaking mountains of the Angeles National Forest, uh, which it, it looks very pretty. I just kind of feel like, yes, this is definitely going to be needed. Uh, The first responders uh, are probably going to need some, like, they're going to have some pretty bad PTSD after all this is over. I, you know, charities are charities. I probably would have picked, like, something that's, like, directly getting PPE into people's hands, but... Yeah, well, it, it's a very weird vibe. Well, it's also funny because we were talking. I, I had signed up for this HomeCon email list, <laughs> and because uh, I was like, What is this thing? I screamed it as I just jammed in my email address, just clanked it in. Uh, never, I've never gone harder on my keyboard. I was like, I don't understand. Tell me. And uh I so I just got an email. And in the email they give you some information about the convention, and then they give you uh the ability to buy some merch. Cool. I don't okay. You can get a t shirt <laughs> with the home con logo on it if that's something if that's something that interests you at all. And then at the bottom of the uh of the email it's where it talks about you know we're raising money for first responders first which i by the way did not know what that was what that charity was they there don't was they don't have a link they
1: don't have an about yeah
0: section and 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 at the bottom uh it says it's an organization that provides essential supplies equipment and resources for protecting frontline healthcare workers so i'm starting to feel like this one that we found is maybe not the same but who knows and then <laughs> They have a learn more button. And I was like, great. I can't wait to find out about the charity I would be supporting. I click on the learn more button. Guess where I ended up, where I always end up, back to the home con (laughs) website, (laughs) which I am starting to feel like is a black hole, like for my soul and ability (laughs) to figure things out. (laughs) I was like, no. (laughs) Well,
1: this first com website uh, has taught me something about something called Wolf therapy, uh, which I'm very curious about now. It says by hand raising a pack of our own, I guess a, a wolf pack, like actual wolves, socializing them to people from an early age, letting them touch your hearts if they have touched ours, we inadvert- inadvertently created a wolf therapy environment for people in pain. I don't know. That doesn't <laughs> sound like a great idea to me,
0: uh, but maybe it works for some people. <laughs> Wait, wait, these poor first responders who've seen some real, some real stuff. Now they have to raise a pack of wolves. (laughs) Isn't that, (laughs) I just feel like, what more can we ask of these people?
1: (laughs) If you go to firstrespondersfirst.com slash treatment, it's there. It says, what is wolf therapy? I'm not making it up. Uh, But this seems like a great organization, but I don't know if this is actually the real organization they're
0: raising money for. I Google searched because I was like, you know, no shade to first responders, first.com and their wolf pack <laughs> based therapy. I'm sure it's effective. Uh, feels like it's not exactly what we're going for right now. And I did find something on it's uh, I guess the website was like thrive G- global. There is a first responders first, which is an initiative of, some things that I've have heard of like, uh, like Johnson in, in partnership with Johnson and Johnson and bright horizons, the Harvard school of public health, all of this seems, and it's all about, um, donating or getting frontline workers, uh, like masks and gloves and gowns, which does seem more useful right now than wolf therapy. <laughs> um, but I'm not saying down the line, wolf well, therapy is not going to be great. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this does seem a little bit more in line with like what's needed right now. Uh, so I guess I, I assume that this is what they're talking about. But again, it, it, this is why you want to link to the charity. <laughs> On your page so if i'm just like well you know what i want to support the good cause that they want to support so let's go to first responders first.com and then like i'm just like okay well i bought somebody uh some <laughs> some wolf therapy time right that's what we were all doing
1: <laughs> uh yeah i think they, all right so i think um we we just have a lot of questions because twitch is its own user interface weirdness you have to go and so if anybody's curious about this i did i did this process a little earlier today so i created i I didn't have a i created like a supergirl radio twitch account and then i had to subscribe to the home con twitch channel but but that's as far as i got i was able to do all of that but there's no information on the website about the one-on-one sessions there's not even really probably a guarantee that even if you try to pay for one, how does that work? How do, do you get an email asking for what, you know, assigning you a time uh, if 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 they run out of time are you guaranteed a spot like how does that even work so there's no information about the one-on-one uh zoom sessions
0: yeah so the one-on-one is a zoom session versus the twitch so you're using two different
1: platforms
0: it's gonna really confuse everybody i just feel like maybe another week to workshop the idea (laughs) would have would have helped just a little bit. I think
1: the idea of it is cool. I think that we're probably going to need to do things like this because we're in full swing with con season and more of this stuff is going to be happening, but this this website and everything connected to it just seems really sloppy and not really thought out and it's really disappointing because it seems like a cool idea and there's some cool people involved with it, but like you go to the the special guest section you click on a person's picture and it tells you nothing about the person it doesn't tell you if <laughs> if they're going to be on a panel if if they are on a panel what time is the panel uh you don't know that because then you like Morgan said you go to the schedule there's only one day of panels in a 2-day convention <laughs> Uh, so that tells you nothing. It's a little confusing. Then you go to buy tickets and it's like, "What? where's the ticket? Is that the subscription to Twitch? What? What is that? Or is it the one-on-one Zoom thing? It doesn't tell you anything because the buy ticket doesn't go anywhere. Um, there's no information about the charity. There's no information about how to set up those Zoom, those one-on-one Zoom things. And it's just, it's a little confusing. And the thing is happening in three days. Uh, so I'm a little concerned about it. Uh, maybe they'll pull it together last minute. Everything's going to work out as planned. But if I was doing this, and we kind of do this, Morgan. We do this with DCTV yeah. Podcasts every year. Um, so this is not, I mean, we do it with audio. But, I mean, we could do this even with video if we really wanted to. Uh, but we take months to prepare things. We set up a fundraising Uh, page with the official organization that we're fundraising to then we set up a fundraising page on dctvpodcast.com we have all the information there that tells you about the charity and how to donate and where to listen and uh, then we promote it we set up our schedules like we have to make sure that I mean we have a doodle poll that everybody had to go to (laughs) and say this date works for me so we have to figure out the schedule and then after we figure out the date for the thing then we have to plot out when each show is doing their time. So like it's not that hard, but it does take some time. And this feels like they haven't really taken that time to do it. So, I'm a little concerned that it might be total chaos by the time this happens. Uh but we'll try to cover it as best we can. I guess we'll try to get in there and figure it out and see what's going on. Uh I guess that could be its own Supergirl Radio episode. Uh spectacular in and of, of itself to see if home con actually worked
0: <laughs> i did go on to their um what's whatchamacallit their instagram page um and it is the thrive uh charity because it says HomeCon is very proud to be supporting at thrives first responders first charity so makes more sense
1: <sighs> but still
0: i mean look at look at how look at how hard i had to 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 dig to find that that should be information that's just right on the homepage. yeah that's that, sh- that should right be the homepage. readily accessible <laughs> um yeah it it
1: does not give you a whole lot of information it's very confusing like they don't even have the twitch channel linked on the homepage, so you have to go to twitch and then find the home con official twitch channel
0: so it is it is um it is on the home page you have to but it's like the learn more button where the heck is the learn more button it's up at the top you click on learn more and then it takes you uh it takes you to the twitch channel which does talk about first responders first but again it doesn't have a website attached to it so it's like 10 percent of all proceeds will be donated to first responders first and then you're like What is that? And then if I had just assumed that it was first dot com, the next thing I know, I'm running with the wolves. So (laughs) that that learn more button should be, uh, it should say
1: uh, go to the Twitch channel. That's what that that's what that button should say because it It takes you click on learn more and it goes to the Twitch channel. Yeah, this is this is it's not great. I'm gonna be. I'm going to shoot straight. This is, this is not good. It's not, the website is a disaster area. They don't have any information and it's only oh, a couple um, days my, away. I will
0: say my, my other favorite thing about the Hong Kong website. And then I, I promise it's, we don't hate HomeCon. God It's, we've been laughing about it for uh, a little bit when you click on any one of the celebrities. So for instance, I clicked on my, my girl, my girl, Eve, uh, slash hope Andrea Brooks. And, uh, and you get like a page about her, and it says about the speaker, Andrea Brooks. That's it. Just her name. It has a great picture. Oh, and at the top it says header widget area one. No Becca. Yeah, yes. <laughs> this this was so done ba- is very much a work in progress. I clicked on like a little ticket icon at the top of this webpage and it took me to Ticketmaster. Why Ticketmaster?
1: I don't know. This has all the signs <laughs> of being done very quickly.
0: God bless. This went up uh, clearly went up very fast. They clearly threw this together uh, very quickly. Um, maybe maybe next time, just like an extra day.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I I would I would work out all the things you need to do before you start plotting out that website because. Uh, because the, the website is your, your main landing page for all this information. And it's all the information needs to be there. Oh, it's just, it's tough. <laughs> As somebody who has been, um, you know, full disclosure, I work with the University of Alabama Museums. And because our museums are closed, we decided we would do daily live streams on Facebook to help, you know, continue engage in, to engage our community and the people who normally come to the museums we pro- we provide educational content and so I had to create a web page on our museums.ua.edu website I'm not a great web person I'm not a good web designer but I knew enough to create a page put all the necessary links and information in there so it would be really easy for people to just go on there click and go to the thing well this is this is chaos. I'm not, I'm, I, I think the idea of this is awesome and I hope it is super successful. But right now it looks like a lot of chaos. And, uh, I, I would also echo Morgan's recommendation to maybe take a little more time with it next time.
0: we'll, we'll see though. It could, it could be fun. We'll find out this, uh, this,
1: this week. We will see if we can actually figure out how to get in there. And if there's any Supergirl, <laughs> I assume they're going to have a Supergirl panel. They've got enough folks to do yeah they have
0: yeah they have uh they have kelly they have eve they have uh nia i think they have somebody else that i'm forgetting well i want to say julie gonzalo
1: had wanted in on it but they don't have her picture up here so i don't know if that means she's not doing it or not but maybe they just hadn't gotten around to putting her up here (laughs) because i think there are some slots that like there's a black picture but there's nobody there and it says header rigid
0: (laughs) area one well we'll find out (laughs) friday and saturday we'll see
1: what happens well uh next week's Supergirl radio episode should be exciting where we bring you all the news and excitement from home con uh to see how that goes uh but yeah try try to see if you can go to the website and find that twitch channel you'll you'll eventually get there i think um, okay, in other news, uh, this is something that maybe we could throw out to our listeners. so pod chaser which is this website that we um, that Supergirl radio is listed on as a podcast they sent us an opportunity called reviews for good to help raise money for meals on wheels during the corona uh, to, ah during the coronavirus pandemic so we'd figure uh we'd let our listeners know about it and this is something really easy that we could do that could possibly raise money for a good cause this actually pod chaser actually had links to meals on wheels and information to meals on wheels so (laughs) they are a step above home con at this point uh but basically what it is is that from now until april 16th which is not that far away, so we got to really jump on it. Um, Podchaser is going to donate 25 cents to Meals on Wheels uh, America uh, to their COVID-19 response fund for every podcast or episode review on Podchaser. So if you go to Podchaser and you review uh, Supergirl Radio as a podcast, or you can go to each individual episode and review that particular episode, every time we do that... um, They're going to give 25 cents to Meals on Wheels. And actually, they will double it every time a podcast replies to the review. So if you leave us a review Ah. and we respond to it, we can double our efforts. So it's really easy to review a podcast. Visit the podcast page on Podchaser. You can search for Supergirl Radio up at the top. Uh, And once you're there, you can click the Rate Podcast button. And then you'll see a, they call it a modal that lets you rate the podcast and write a review. And you just click save and that's it. And you, you do kind of a similar thing with podcast episode reviews. Uh, you can go to the podcast page on uh, Podchaser, click the episodes tab. Um, and then you can find a list of all the episodes on the series. You can click the one you want to review and it will take you to its own page. And then you just click the rate episode button. So I would encourage our listeners to go and do this. It might not, I mean, couldn't hurt to see if we can help raise some money for Meals on Wheels America to see if we can help out during this time. Yeah, that's so cool. I may do this for some other podcasts I know, um, just to see how it goes. Uh, but definitely try to go to Supergirl Radio and give us a review. Maybe if you go to, you know, some of our episodes, like, just review it like uh, great Ramacan content
0: in this one. You know, like, <laughs> you, you don't have to be real. <laughs> great Ramacan content. Yeah, <laughs> I love it
1: man that rama content so good uh, but it the review doesn't have to be like this long drawn out philosophical thing uh, you, you can just go in there and say hey supergirl radio is a great podcast and we're not doing this for us we're really just doing this tr- try to help uh meals on wheels america at this time so do that uh by april 16th we'll have links in our show notes about this so you can just click directly on there and uh give us a rating and a review and maybe help us uh, help Pod Chaser raise some money. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so I guess that's going to do all of our news and our uh, homecon website reviews uh,
0: for <laughs> this episode. I'm sure, I'm sure they're thrilled to to hear it. They're going to be like they're taking notes. They're going to be like, don't let these people in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. So hopefully they'll still listen. But uh, one of the things that we wanted to do for uh, this week. Uh, going into sort of a a hiatus of quarantine before new episodes of the show uh, come back is that uh, we thought we would catch up on some listener email. And this is mostly because I have been super busy with my job, uh, the busiest I've ever been, and I have neglected to post emails to our website, which I normally do if we can't get to them on the podcast. Uh, But since I had not done it yet i figured well we could just take those emails that i would have posted to the website and we'll just read them on the air on a podcast episode and we'll get to them that way and so that's what we're doing we're doing a little uh quarantine question slash email uh listener feedback catch up here so the first one we're gonna uh, take a look at is uh from danae who sent us some thoughts on the season five episode reality bites and Danae says, uh, quote, I was very happy that Nia got some good story, especially telling a story that needs to be told. I do, however, hope that this isn't everything the season is planning on giving her. In a way, it kind of reminded me of James-centric episodes in season two, seasons two and three. Those were episodes with some good and needed storyline for James and tackling important topics like uh, racism But outside of those episodes, James rarely got anything substantial to do, and that in the end, at least partially, they contributed to James leaving the show. I really hope the writers don't make the mistake a second time and pick up the storyline possibilities they left for Nia in this episode. They could pick up on how the breakup with Brainy has affected her more than we know, because the relationship didn't just mean a romance to her, it also impacted how she saw herself. And they could also look into how she wasn't, uh, she hasn't been doing very well with the interpretation of dreams, perhaps by letting her sister train her, even though they left things on uh, horrible terms a year ago. Anyway, I hope they pick something nice for her because I would hate for her to fade in the background again,
0: unquote. Yeah, that's a really good point that they used to give him like one or two James centric story episodes a year that were were always pretty good and enjoyable and we liked them and then for the rest of the the, the this his those respective seasons he just spent mostly under the desk so. yeah
1: yeah and <laughs> and they were good episodes but then they didn't necessarily connect so much to the main storyline of the season
0: and they never like developed they were always kind of like like little self-contained stories that like had a beginning, middle, and end, and then that was it. Like, it didn't usually continue through much else of the season, except for that one time his camera got run over and he decided <laughs> to be a superhero.
1: <laughs> and then he kind of decided he wasn't going to do that anymore. Uh, so... And then he's like, you know
0: what, I'm over it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I, I hope that they'll do more with Nia. I, I think that there's a lot of things they could explore with the character of Nia Nall. and all. Uh, and I hope they will take full advantage of that because there's, there's so much more, even just even more so than the transgender stuff. There's so much more with Nia and her powers and, and dreamer and the legion of superheroes that, that she could be a part of. So I, I, I hope they do take advantage of it. And I think it's just a bigger problem on Supergirls that they don't really flesh out storylines for each character some shows like the really good shows that I've seen they have a storyline like a full season storyline for each character and it goes through all the episodes. Um but Supergirl has a really they I think they struggle with that. Um because some characters will have a full season storyline and then others will just have like two or three episodes where they have a, a big story and that's it. So I hope they they take advantage of that with Nia.
0: Yeah, I mean I was just thinking like right off the the cuff of of an example of a uh, show that does that and it's uh it's actually ending tonight as we record and I have to watch the finale after we get done but it's called Shits creek it's like a comedy and it's about like a family and each one of the family members has like their own story through all the seasons and they have like ups and downs and arcs and, and stuff like that and that's a 30 minute comedy so i just kind of feel like it can be done even with multiple characters it can be done um So I hope like maybe developing like a coherent idea of like what the character arc is going to be throughout a season might be something that they look into more next year, especially for like characters like Nia, but also characters like Alex uh, who I think gets some strong stuff sometimes and then is forgotten sometimes for episodes on end. Yeah.
1: I think they could do a little bit better job of being consistent about that. And I really need to watch. It's great. Oh, you would love it. It's hilarious. I love those actors. And what's funny, you say something about how it has a uh, it's written well to where all the characters have storyline. And I I just was thinking, you know, a lot of those actors come from like the Christopher Guest films, which those movies are generally mostly imp- improv. Like they, I think they have a general outline for like Waiting for Guffman and The Mighty Wind and. Best in show they have like a, a a general place they want to go with it but a lot of the scenes are improvised. And so it's just funny to hear that like they're they have a really well written show but a lot of those actors usually improvise everything. So it can be done. You're 100% right. And so I hope maybe Supergirl will, will do a better job of that uh, next
0: season. Um, so Abby wrote in about reality bites saying, I'm so glad we received a car and Alex sister scene this week. I couldn't help but laugh at car's nervousness before her date with William and Alex's smile of, Uh, And Alex's advice of you smile and you laugh and you reach for the check is one I will be remembering to use (laughs) in the future. (laughs) I just wish we knew if Kara did reach for the check at the end. Um, Yvette is one of my favorite minor characters. She has a great sense of humor. I thought it seemed fitting that she commented that Dreamer might be more powerful than Supergirl because we literally don't know the extent of Dreamer's abilities. (laughs) Um, and then she goes on to say, I'm glad Nia finally mentioned her mother and sister. The key word in the previous sentence is finally, because I wish they showed more or hinted at the issues and concerns Nia addressed. It would have made sense. Uh, it would have made the plot more compelling and less preachy for the Nia character. And I guess this goes
1: into the previous email that uh, they could make more of Nia's family into the storylines. Um, Cause I think, The transgender stuff is really topical and it seems like that's what they want to talk about with the show. But to me, and this is nothing, it's not a knock about the transgenderism or anything, but I think there's so much more, there's so much, Oh, how, how am I trying to say this? There's so many more interesting things with the character of Nia that they haven't explored than the transgender aspect of her character. I mean, the fact that she you know, uh, has a, uh, descendant in the future who's part of the Legion of Superheroes, super interesting to me. Uh, the fact that she, um, has the ability to have precognition, super interesting to me. The fact that she has this, uh, uh, contentious relationship with her sister, super interesting. The fact that she's half an alien is super interesting. So I think that they're not really, um, They're, they're, they're focusing more on the superficial aspects of the character, I guess, the, the really, the hard and fast facts about the, and the traits about the character, but they're not exploring some of those other things about Nia. So I think, um, maybe bringing her mother and sister back into the
0: equation, I think would be a good thing. At least her sister. Yeah. um. I think I think like it's it's good that we have these um, episodes about her identity and, and you know rep- that give representation and sort of highlight that she's like you know the first trans superhero and that's super cool but to your point like I feel like the problem isn't so much that we have these episodes that kind of put the spotlight on that it's that we don't have episodes that do like anything else for her character she kind of she's been a lot in the background this season and, like, after that episode where she goes back to her hometown and, like, her mom dies of a spider bite right in front of her for some reason I don't still understand, and, like, her she has a falling out with her sister, there's never any follow-up on that whatsoever. Like, not how the character is doing emotionally with having, you know, lost her mother and had a big fight with her sister, not, like you know how she's doing with the dream interpreting is she still trying did she kind of just throw in the towel when she could stop a tsunami with her dream powers uh it's just it's kind of like they pick up these issues they pick up these storyline threads with her and then they put them down somewhere and then they leave them there and then they pick them up again like 15 episodes down the road and you're like oh, that's right. Her mom did die like straight up in front of her. Yeah. Totally forgot that. Like that should be a through line. Like it doesn't, she doesn't have to mention it every time she pops up, but like, we should like be checking in on how she's doing like emotionally. And like when she, when she did that whole list for Kara about like, things haven't been going great for me. And then she like lists off, you know, all the stuff that's happened to her. I was like, Oh, that's a lot to happen to one character and we haven't gotten any insight on like how she feels about things or like how it's affecting her because you know, they'll they'll pick her up for one episode and we'll get an episode like reality bites which is all about her and then they're going to put her down in a corner somewhere and shuffle her off and then we're not going to see her again like in a big episode like that to to, uh, Denae's point until like probably next season when she gets her one big spotlight episode. So I feel like I would just wish that like, I would take somebody not having a a spotlight episode if they had like more to do consistently. And like, it felt like their story was being developed versus just like, Oh, that's right. We need a Nia episode.
1: Yeah. I wish that they would uh, have more of a through line with the characters uh, throughout the season. When
0: we talked to Nicole, um, was that last week? Yes, or it feels like week? an eternity. I know. Oh, my God. Time moves so slow in quarantine. Uh, when we, we talked to Nicole last, uh, last week, and she was talking about, you know, the comics and, and how she would love to see Nia go to Now Tour and, like, you know, how she sees that relationship with her sister on Earth being kind of like the relationship with um, Dream Girl's sister in the comics and all of that cool stuff. Like, there's great story potential there for her like there's a lot of cool things about nia's you know about nia's character that you can dive into and like really like have some cool stuff there i just feel like they're just kind of leaving it on the table
1: i think they're so focused on the trans issue which which i get it's a topical thing they feel passionate about it um and that that is part of nia's character but there's all these other things to explore with Nia as well and I think that if they really wanted to flesh her out as a character I think those are the things that you want you want to also explore and also want to dive into and I mean Naltor would be awesome Um, even though I do have some uh, problems with her being potentially more powerful than Supergirl uh, (laughs) I'm very protective of Kara I want Kara to be this the most powerful most awesome character on the show but that is something they could explore. I mean, if that's the case, I want to see what that's like. So I I think there's, you know, there's some other things that you can do with the character of Nia that don't even have to do anything with her, her being a trans superhero that that's, that's just only part of the character of Nia. There's so many other aspects of her character that inform who she is. So, uh, and I think that's why that makes it so preachy. Um, uh, Abby talked about how um, if they did, did do more things with like her mother and sister, it would make the plot more compelling and less preachy. So I think if you did more that was more character-centric and actually had us get attached to Nia in a certain other way... Where it was consistent and there was a story behind it, I think it would come across as less preachy because it would just be about the character.
0: Yeah, and I think if they kept developing her through a season, it would feel less like, uh, to Danae's point in the like the first email, it would feel less like the, you know, the the Nia Nall very special episode we get every season or every other season where we used to get one with James where like – that one time he helped that little boy and the other time that his camera broke or whatever. And the one time that he like went back in his memories to like relive his, you know, traumatic youth, but like, he would get like two episodes a season, maybe if that, and then they would just drop his, like, he wasn't really developing. He would just have a spotlight episode and then he would just disappear. And I don't, you know, I, I like Nia as a character so much. I just, I wish that they would consistently develop her, but it's not even just a Nia problem. Like I've been harping about this, You know, for maybe a season and a half, but they do the same thing with Alex, who should by all like by all rights be the second lead on the show. They do it with Brainy. They do it with John.
1: A lot of times they do it with Kara so i I, oh yeah Mm -hmm. i i I think it is a a a bigger problem than just nia but nia especially with reality bites was a good example of that but i think it's it's across the board an issue with the show
0: so we have a a, an email from dustin of the william is comet fame Mm -hmm. I, i think dustin was the one who started uh what is now my permanent head cannon. <laughs> um, and so, so he wrote in with some ideas for Nia slash Dreamer's role in the season five finale of Supergirl, uh, writing, I think this plot allows her to present and provide significant contributions to the storyline. In the opening scene, Nia, as Dreamer, gets a somewhat minor foot or leg injury in a public place with cameras monitored by Leviathan. If Alex were still at the DEO, I'd suggest she treat Nia's injury. After returning home, Nia has an unexpected conversation with her roommate Yvette. Uh, Yvette reveals that she has won a ticket to an exotic singles cruise. (laughs) Either in the same scene or later on in the episode, Yvette reveals she has arranged for a tourist to stay while she is on the cruise, so she doesn't have to worry about keeping up with her portion of the rent or having money to spend while she's away. (laughs) At some point in the episode, Dreamer will physically struggle to be present for a conversation between another character and Gemma. Uh, Uh, Gemma. This will give Gemma the Gemma and Gemma. This will give Gemma the opportunity to realize that Nia Nal is Dreamer. Leviathan's camera footage from the fight where Dreamer was injured could be revealed at this point or later, so it isn't so obvious from the first scene that Nia can no longer hide from Leviathan as Dreamer. I propose that despite her injury, Nia decides not to take a backseat in facing Leviathan. She uses her astral projection to stalk Lex, whom she journalistically discovers has been meeting uh, with Gemma privately Uh, this is green all over again you didn't even say it right this time oh my god did I say it right or did I say it wrong (laughs) why is is this my white whale (laughs) Uh, Gemma right Gemma did I what Gemma okay I can do this this one's really (laughs) easy there's no reason for it Um, she uses her astral projection to stalk Lex, whom she journalistically discovers has been meeting with Gemma privately and monitoring Leviathan. Uh, while she is, while she's in what I like to think of as phantom form, she is kidnapped by the tourist staying in Yvette's room, who turns out to be none other than Miss Tess Maga in disguise. (laughs) We, as the audience could presume Leviathan arranged the ticket for Yvette's trip to infiltrate Dreamer's home on Gemma's Gemma's. orders. Gemma, (laughs) why? Um, Gemma's orders. One of the final scenes of the episode could be either Dreamer having a hard time returning to her body or waking up in an unknown, ominous location. This gives the writers more time to have Nia learn to use her powers more cleverly while she is physically detained at an at least the first part of the sixth season of Supergirl. I don't remember Dreamer or Yvette ever interacting with Miss Tess Mocker, so I think this would work, presuming there isn't well-known footage of Miss Tess Macher's pre-crisis arrest. This story won't work unless we can also pre- presume, one, Yvette doesn't earn a salary, <laughs> and two, Nia keeps the money she earns in the DEO on the DL, and three, Nia isn't a well-paid intern dustin
1: coming in with a a real real thought-out story so i think this is a great i i didn't really plan on this but the the email succession here i think has been a good one here because we've we've been talking about how nia as a character could have so much more to do and dustin's like well i'll give you a story And he he came up with something. Justin's
0: like, sit back and let me tell you a tale. (laughs) Let me spin for you a tale.
1: (laughs) Um, I think it sounds fascinating. And uh, I think I'd probably watch it. Uh, well, uh, Kanisha also writes in with a theory saying, quote, my idea came after hearing your discussion of episode 14 about how boring the Obsidian Leviathan story has been so far. <laughs> I started thinking about how it could be more entertaining and came up with this theory about how the story could end. In the penultimate episode, Kanisha, I love Ooh. that you use penultimate. I, pr- I really Knife. appreciate that. Uh, in the penultimate classic. episode. <laughs> classic. In the penultimate episode, it's revealed that the reason why Lex was encouraging Lena to finish Not No Cherry and why he wants to get close to Pencil Skirt is so he could use the lenses on Pencil Skirt and Leviathan to take over the world. Hmm. Lex will rewrite Lena's programming so anyone wearing the lenses will become his minion. But they're not just regular minions. They've been given enhanced abilities while wearing the lenses because Lex tricks Brainy into helping him do it. Lex's plan this whole time is to defeat Leviathan by becoming the supreme leader. So I guess Lex would be the leader of Leviathan. Is that what the theory is saying? I um, guess. So Kanisha continues. And in the finale, Lex sends his minions to capture the super friends. They have to fight off everyone that's wearing the lenses while finding a way to disable them. We'll get cool scenes of Supergirl using all of her powers. Jean fighting in his true form. Dreamer uses whatever her powers are to fight. <laughs> Alex, Alex expertly uses her Martian weapon, and Kelly Day debuts as the Hornblower <gasps> with the News Gal <laughs> Legion. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, that is like News Gals. <laughs> oh, uh, what what is it? Uh, extra, extra, read all about it. Uh, that would be <laughs> yeah. my dream scenario. <laughs> Uh, and Kanisha uh, finishes her theory with, uh, saying, Rebecca, you make a good point that it, w- that it wouldn't be great to have Lex as the main villain in back-to-back seasons, so which Supergirl villain would you guys most want to see as the big bad in season six? And since you guys are so good at pitching ideas, what's the villain's story motivation for the season? Oh, Morgan. So, now we have now we have to put it so uh, Dustin and Kanisha they've they've given some speculations and some theories about what they think the writers could do and now it's been turned over to us and now it's us hmm I,
0: I liked I think you made this suggestion earlier in some other care in some other form in some other conversation uh, Les LaLar. uh huh like. That, that would be a great villain, I think, for season six.
1: Well, and Les Alara could be introduced from the Bottle City of Candor, So that could be really cool because we haven't really seen the show explore Candor at all. And that's something that I think would be really, really cool. Because I, I think for me, I like to see more of the comic book aspects of the show. And that's why I get frustrated sometimes when... The show doesn't really lean into the comic bookiness of the characters. And I think you could do a whole season on going in and out of the Bottle City of Candor and spending time there and meeting the people in the Bottle City and exploring their culture and seeing what's going on down in there. And maybe Supergirl has a whole journey in the Bottle City and uh, maybe she encounters Lesla there. And Les- like Lesla in the comic books in the Silver Age lesla takes over Kara's life in uh, i guess the outside of the bottle city of candor world in in our new earth prime world um i think that would be really cool to explore the bottle city of candor i think it would also be cool to uh explore the phantom zone i've been put- pitching forever that supergirl gets stuck in the phantom zone it's been done in supergirl the movie it was done on smallville it's weird to me that they have not explored that at all uh with the supergirl series on the cw uh we've
0: definitely pitched several times uh nasty luther uh, nasty luther is a classic uh <laughs> nasty luther nasty luther rolls into town she's like what up she could be lena's cousin she could be Lena's long lost sister. I'm I'm willing for any any way that we get Nasty Luther showing up, and then she just like starts to like create some trouble. She creates some trouble for the for the Luthers maybe like throws some Luther family dynamics into a into play, and and then she's she's just a, a troublemaker for Card too. I would I would be in for any Nasty Luther. I think also you know. Um, they all, they've all left the D.E.O. now, basically, um, or they probably will by the end of the season. So um, maybe it makes sense that they, the D.E.O. gets a new director. <gasps> maybe it's a mm-hmm. skeleton named Bones. Mm-hmm. And then Director Bones and the new D.E.O. under Director Bones, which is like more nefarious, uh, becomes kind of the villain of the season. Yes. That would be fun. It was like our old
1: home is now evil. Yeah, I mean, they're always worried that it's going to be taken over by somebody. Like, uh, I think General Lane sort of stepped in, and nobody really liked General Lane. And uh, Maxwell Lord spent a lot of time at the DEO, and everybody was worried about Maxwell Lord. And, uh, let's see, uh, Colonel Haley, everybody thought she was a bad guy. It's not like they haven't had these scenarios before. Lex Luthor is now sort of in charge of the DEO. But it really wouldn't have the impact unless it was Director Bones, I think. Uh, but that's that's something they could easily do. So I don't know. I I hope they don't. I know they I know they like to do the themes of the season and that's sort of what dictates where they go with it and the villains that they choose. But I sort of hope that they maybe try a different approach to storytelling in season six. Um, because I don't know that their their technology theme really fit in with the leviathan, leviathan aspect of what they were going for. Uh we'll see how it plays out, but I think uh I think if they made it more of a comic booky thing in season 6, I think I would I would like it no matter who it
0: was. So we have an email from Joseph who writes it does seem so strange from the last time I wrote in, as it seems like a different time in history with the coronavirus and everything. Hopefully we can get past this pandemic within a month or two. Funny enough, I think a Supergirl speech where she mentions hope 12 times could be needed now <laughs> <Yeah>. for many, <laughs> for many more than ever before may even be touched on next season as they're trying to be topical. Now, uh, maybe next season, uh, Supergirl will fight uh, the coronavirus. Mm. Okay. Uh, So let's not dwell on that, though. Let's talk about the episodes. Unfortunately, the first episode, Reality Bites, is, if not my most hated, it's up there. Uh, Oh, okay. Uh, Why? Because being a bisexual myself, I get used to people in life, but especially media, that makes sexual orientation the only character trait that is focused upon, which is completely demeaning, as it makes it seem so shallow that we aren't people, just an agenda. I'm not saying that was their intention or that it's not even a part of my identity, but that's all it is, a part, not all encompassing. This was the first episode in a while that seemed to have buzzwords. In this case, Nia's constant phrase of my community, which is also something I detest in life, the separation between us and them. There are differences, yes, but the whole point is to show that there isn't much difference. I'm not saying LGBTQs don't get persecuted or bigoted against. I have been on the receiving end of it before, but no more than quite a few uh, quite a few people just for different reasons. I'm sorry, there was just never an episode that left me fuming for a day or two after I watched it like this one. Even the one side of political stuff in season four and the gun episode, which in its own way was PSA-like. Just wow, these people need to watch more Law and & Order and One Chicago franchises to see how topics like this can be balanced. I think the problem, though, is that it just makes Nia a PSA hopefully only for one episode. Strange because they've done a pretty good job even in this series with Alex in making her lesbian as just part of her character for the most part. All right, rant over. It's a real shame that was such a major part of the episode because I thought the whole idea of people being able to get away with things in the virtual world, like cheating on a partner, was really interesting. I wish that had been... Uh, that had been the focus more than a PSA, as you could really go into a philosophical and psychological discussion about why certain people would do certain things without restriction or consequence. Even Alex's bits were pretty good for her character. I even liked that scene near the end with Kara just, uh, just comforting Nia, which is what makes it so frustrating. It's not a completely bad episode. There are pieces that are too good for a horrible episode. On a brighter note, I thought Alex in Wonderland was a nice episode. Yeah, the story was predictable and I wish they had focused on that piece near the beginning where Alex had difficulty with the heat vision at first maybe noting how difficult it was for Cara to learn how to control her powers similar to Clark in the film Man of Steel in the end that's a nitpick I'm starting to see how much of this technology theme is semi based on young justice outsiders but hey it's working well enough so I'll take it I did appreciate the fact that they are at least putting a cap on characters and stories. They are never going to touch again (laughs) with Jeremiah's death. Not necessarily happy that they dropped so many things from the early season, but acknowledgement is nice. Uh, I do wish that the whole storyline with William and Kelly was given to Kara for investigation into Leviathan, you know, since she is the reporter. But I can see they wanted to give the whole, uh, to give the love interest some time on their own to get us attached to them as characters, not just people for the main characters to hook up with. Overall, a decent episode, but probably a little more lenient of this episode just comparing it to the previous episode. The funny thing is that both of these episodes, which do seem the lesser of the season, did not include Kara or Lena in any kind of way, both of which have been the characters that have made this season great for the most part. Don't get me wrong, I want more for Alex. I've stated that before, but I thought it was it was worth mentioning. Hopefully future episodes can redeem dark blots of episodes like the story arc of Lena and Brainy. So Joseph, so many things to address. Rebecca, I had a question. Have you seen what was it, Justice, uh, Young Justice Outsiders? Uh,
1: I, I don't know if that's the new season. I watched like the first two seasons. Seasons of Young Justice um, so I can't it's been such a long time since I saw that I just remember there being a lot of aliens uh, on that show so I can't speak to it because that my memory is so vague on it uh, but I do think that Joseph has a very unique perspective on a lot of the things that are going on. And a lot of the things that we've already kind of talked about, uh, about the character of Nia, where, like, the trans aspect is an aspect of the character of Nia, but it doesn't have to be the total and complete aspect uh, of the total package of the character of Nia. So I think that's a really um, good point. And I also thought uh, Joseph's points about... um, how William and Kelly are doing things because the show is trying to make an effort to make them more of their own characters and not just love interests. And I think they've done a pretty good job with that with, with Kelly actually. Um, Yeah. Because even though Kelly's been dropping, dropping the ball on those tickets, (laughs) she, I at least kind of, we've gotten to spend time with Kelly and we know sort of what Kelly does and she's been part of the major storyline so I, I will give them credit for at least making Kelly a little more well-rounded character. She's not just James's sister anymore. She's not just Alex's girlfriend. She she actually is her own character. So I do appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I think we've gotten to know Kelly a little bit more. Um as opposed to William, who I still feel is very much just, like, kind of a love interest that got tacked on this season. But but Kelly, I feel like we've seen her develop, especially as she has this nebulous job, (laughs) whatever it is, at Leviathan. But I think it's given her some, like, material outside of just being, like, Alex's girlfriend that has been pretty helpful for having her be, like, her own person.
1: And I do think, Joseph, also, in reading the email, like, I think we've known it all season, but Just rereading over the fact that Kara and Lena, they've had this huge falling out this season, and they haven't really been a big part of this season. Like, the 100th 100th episode was a big Kara-Lena-centric episode, and that was great. The premiere had a lot of Kara and Lena stuff. That was great. And there was, I think, the Tremors episode in the Fortress of Solitude. All of those episodes are so good, and yet they're so few and far between. It feels like that storyline has not really been consistently woven out through the season, and I think the season would be better if it focused on those two characters and that dynamic, and then everything else sort of comes on the heels of that. So when, when you actually point it out, it does seem uh, like a glaring missed opportunity.
0: Yeah, That's definitely true.
1: (laughs) Well, Courtney wrote in to remind us that, quote, what you guys are thinking about in the woods uh, with Jeremiah Danvers is at the end of Homecoming when Alex is going to take Jeremiah in and he says she has to kill him. So she lets him run off and she didn't say anything about going after him in that episode. Then in Exodus, uh, which is Dean Cain's final episode of the show, Hank Henshaw and Jeremiah get into a fight. And like you said, he gets pushed off the screen or flipped off a platform. And at the same time, Alex is on the ship, more concerned about not leaving the atmosphere. And when she got back, she forgot her dad was even in the hangar with her, unquote. Yeah, thank you for that, <laughs> uh, I I remembered Alex in the woods with Jeremiah at one point. And that does make sense that that would have been in Homecoming. And then Exodus, of course, is the one where he's just pushed off the screen. The one thing I would mention about Exodus is at the very end of that episode, Alex and Jean have an interaction and a conversation about Jeremiah. And this is why it always bothered me that they never picked up the Jeremiah Danvers storyline again, because John says, I hope that one day we'll get him back. Talking about Jeremiah. And (laughs) Alex says, we will. No, they won't. (laughs) No, they won't. So it seemed like they were always setting it up to get Jeremiah back. And then they never went there. So I, that, I think that Alex did say she was going to, I think we did sort of remember that correctly, that Alex was going (laughs) to go look for him and she never did. Uh, Courtney also wrote in to say, "Quote: Ignore the part about the EpiPen not having adrenaline. That's something that we talked about with the um, Alex in Wonderland episode. Apparently, ep- epinephrine and adrenaline are the same. I still don't think Kelly should just be stabbing people with EpiPens, but whatever." Unquote. Yeah, I didn't know much about that. So after Courtney wrote back in to to reference that part of our discussion. I checked in with a personal nurse practitioner friend of mine and asked her about this. And she said that epinephrine is like the medication form of adrenaline. So I guess that maybe Kelly stabbing Alex to sort of bring her back with an EpiPen, I guess that made sense. Uh, But it did seem a little strange. But I guess it medically makes sense.
0: Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, It seemed weird to me. Um, but I, I know nothing about <laughs> about medicine. So. Um, so Lynn wrote in with a theory. What if it turns out that Jeremiah is not dead after all, but rather that he got so fed up that no one was looking for him that he faked his own death and became the leader of Leviathan? Dun, dun, dun.
1: <laughs> I think it checks out. I mean. I love it. We don't, I mean, there's no body, no death, so I think he yeah. could, he could still be alive. I mean, we're playing soap opera rules now, so uh, <laughs> I, I would buy it if he was the leader of Leviathan. We don't know. I'm down. I'm down for that. <laughs> uh, well, Mary wrote in to say, quote, Alex in Wonderland started off strong. Alex's worst behavior on display in front of her family was something I didn't realize that I wanted to see again. Not because I want Alex to be terrible, but because I was worried that the writers had forgotten the darker, jaded parts of their main characters. Glad to see they haven't. Seems like they've also scaled back from, uh, quote, technology bad to the more reasonable, quote, tech companies have financial incentive to get you addicted to their product. In the show, that literally means addicted. IV drips and all. So I guess Obsidian is Fortnite? Uh, and uh, <laughs> Mary says, uh, I mean, that tracks. Um, and she also linked us to a video that uh, did an analysis of how game creators are trying to sort of trick and persuade the players of their
0: games to buy additional gameplay features. It's like when you're playing Candy Crush and they're like, oh, no, I'm going to have to do an in-app purchase. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's
1: a, it's a lot like that. So I think Mary makes a good point about the um, the addiction with the VR and also a good point for Mary about Alex having that sort of darker, jaded part of her character. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there, there are parts of Alex that she, she goes into that place. So it is, it is nice to see that a little bit from her. Uh, Mary also wrote in to say, quote, in more outstanding news of the coronavirus literally being the perfect antith- antithesis to this entire season's theme, do you think Lena's non would force people to social distance themselves Or does it only know how to deal with active physical violence? These are the things I think about while quarantined with my roommate, a nurse. I hope, H-O-P-E with uh looking like h.o.p.e <laughs> uh you're doing well and staying safe unquote um mary that is a great question uh morgan what do Good you think point. about that do you think lena's
0: non nacherry would force people to social distance i think it could i mean i we i i feel like despite the fact that she's been working on it for a whole season we still don't know very much about it <laughs> so it, right now it could be anything we want it or she wants it to be
1: well it does mean do no harm so i guess if uh if we're looking at it at the the idea that social distancing is trying to prevent you from uh developing a disease or a sickness then uh i guess not a cherry would prevent you from uh harming yourself
0: or or others by by getting it and then just wandering around passing it out so right right yeah that's a that's a good point Inter- interesting and timely <laughs> <laughs> Um, so one of our Supergirl radio legal consultants, Susan, wanted to chime in with two possibilities for assessing liability against Obsidian. Uh, amazing. I love I love it. Love it, Susan. Love it already. Okay. So Susan writes, first, if you assume that Obsidian had a halfway decent lawyer when they put the VR contact lenses into the market um, – big assumption, Susan. Let's get back in (laughs) here. Based on their ticket system, big assumption. Um, Then when a user registered or signed up to enter the VR space, there were pages of terms and conditions that included a release, aka pages and pages, of legalese that says, in substance, by using these VR contacts, you're assuming all risk, and neither you nor any of your survivors can sue us no matter what we do. At a high level, that's an enforceable contract, and Obsidian wouldn't have any legal law Liability for anything that happens, except perhaps in limited circumstances. That's a pretty solid defense in these types of cases. You voluntarily and knowingly engage in a risky activity, and something happens to you that can potentially be foreseen as risk of the activity that is on you. Um, The circumstances where the company still may have liability generally involve situations where they uh, affirmatively misled consumers or outright lie to consumers. If the consequences or damages were not of the type that were anticipated or listed in the release, the company could be liable. That's not likely because any good lawyer writing a release uh, lists everything under the sun, no matter how remote a possibility. So my, just jumping in real quick, (laughs) Susan, do you think that they put... um, T- torture murder house on a hill somewhere <laughs> into, the, into the terms and conditions that they signed, and also how many terms and conditions have I signed away my rights to sue <laughs> in the case of murder house? Uh, now I'm concerned. Uh, back on it. Uh, Susan goes on to say, or if you tell users that there is a failsafe and there isn't, that could give rise to liability because the consumer signed the release based on a representation that there was a fail-safe. If Obsidian marketed the product in a way that turned turns out to be misleading, consumers could argue they only use the VR based on the false representation. There, there also are potential violations of FTC consumer protection regulations. Which we may should clarify that to be the Federal Trade Commission. yes. Um, When a consumer is misled, which could lead to fines in some states and some circumstances, it also is against uh, public policy to enforce a release. Those are where the government has decided there are some risks people should not be able to decide to take consumer products laws sometimes fall into that category as well. The theme running through all of these exceptions is that there generally has to be some knowing and intentional action by the company. It can't just be an accident or negligence Uh, alternatively, if you assume there was no release in term in the terms of use, then obsidian has a general obligation not to put defective products into the marketplace <laughs> and it and it must be due care to make sure that doesn't happen uh, put another way if obsidian was negligent or worse, then the company is liable for any injuries or harm that occur from the use of the negligently made product, not doing due diligence in testing and failing to find a defect they should have known about is negligent having an employee report a defect and ignoring the report failing (laughs) to fix the problem is more than negligent Uh, Another potentially relevant note, Obsidian is only liable for the actions of its employees acting within the course and scope of their employment. So if the bad actor isn't an employee or if the bad actor is going completely outside the bounds of their job responsibilities and authority, the company is not liable. In that case, the plaintiff would have to show that Obsidian should have known the person would go rogue and did not take responsible actions to prevent it before any liability so I
1: think that makes the murder houses on the hill like okay I don't think they can be sued because of the murder houses because that was a rogue person Uh, I forget the dude's name but it was some dude playing the game who created the murder house that wasn't an obsidian thing done by an employee that's true yeah it's a bad actor that's
0: not an employee
1: yeah so I think they're safe from uh, they're not liable for the
0: murder house (laughs) Amazing. Um, That's surprising, but yeah, it makes sense, I guess. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The more I know, (laughs) the less forms I'm going to sign. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, Susan says, I could go on. We could probably do a whole show on the things I would advise Andrea on if I were Obsidian's lawyer, or if I were Catco's lawyer, or Luther Corps. Uh, But I think I've said enough to give you a flavor for the fact that it's not as cut and dried as you might think at first blush. That being said, none of this means that an enterprising plaintiff's lawyer wouldn't decide to sue anyway, and the company would probably settle because it would be less expensive than litigating. But that's a different calculus than whether the company has legal liability if they actually fight it. Another note, the FCC doesn't regulate the internet uh, as it relates to this type of activity. The FCC stays away from regulating content. And fundamentally, we are talking about the content of a video game, albeit a lifelike one using VR capability. The consumer protection laws, mostly uh, mostly falling under the purview of the FTC, are the closest thing to a government agency that might have some rules governing the sale and use of the VR lenses. Oh, my God. That was amazing. It so good.
1: Uh, and I think maybe we'll have to have Susan and Leslie back on to uh, uh, ask them what they would do if they were CatCo's lawyer or Obsidian Platinum's lawyer. Yes,
0: I, I want to listen to that. I, I want to be a uh, fly on the wall for that episode and just <laughs> find out what their legal advice would be uh, to Obsidian. That is a great idea. We'll have to consider how we would do that.
1: Uh, So our other Supergirl radio legal consultant, Leslie, also chimed in about Obsidian Platinum because we did have a lot of questions about what they were liable for. So this is Leslie's response. Uh, Quote, I could not believe that Kelly told Alex that Obsidian North's VR had no rules. What? (laughs) Really? No rules? Because of Obsidian North's cavalier attitude about safety, it is almost a certainty that the company will be sued by its VR players and consumers. (laughs) There could even be a multi-state class action lawsuit filed against the company in which a small group of plaintiffs could sue Obsidian North on behalf of a larger class of similarly situated VR players and consumers. Obsidian North is subject to being sued under several different theories of civic liability, such as... (laughs) Number one, strict liability for the manufacturer of a defective product. (laughs) Number two, consumer fraud, because Obsidian North may be intentionally misleading consumers about safety or, or certain other aspects of its VR. In some states, treble damages, actual damages, and attorney's fees can be awarded to the consumer in consumer fraud cases. Number three, negligence, because it could be reasonably foreseeable that Obsidian North's VR created a risk of death or injury to its players and consumers. Supergirl told Andrea Rojas to delay the VR launch given the issues brought to light by the chlorophyllian Amy. Kelly also reported glitches which went unrepaired. (laughs) And or number four, wrongful death. The estate of the deceased could sue Obsidian North for the wrongful death of a relative based on the company's negligent actions. Obsidian North is also the subject of being sued for intentional torts, which I don't really know what those are, but I guess Leslie is going to explain. So, number one. False imprisonment because players cannot exit the program because the end simulation button disappears or the failsafe is inoperable. <laughs> or even when the players ultimately escape, Margot is taking and treating these players' bodies, as Morgan said, as yesterday's leftovers by wrapping them in foil. Obsidian North might have a defense that Margot is intentionally committing crimes for which the company should not be held liable, but the company may nonetheless be liable for the negligent hiring of Margot. <laughs> That's a good question. Does Margot have an I love, affiliation?
0: want to know I want to know if is on the payroll. <laughs> they're like, "What did you hire this woman for? I, I don't understand why she's in our marketing department. And they're like, "Oh, she just makes a really good burrito. Trust us." <laughs> Meanwhile, Margot's just in a corner, like just wrapping tinfoil like around random things, and they're like, "But she just is it a prank that she's doing? Why is she putting tinfoil on everything?" marco's like part of the process (laughs) such a good
1: question about marco and her affiliation to obsidian north okay so number two assault and battery because players would not have consented to being tortured of course they wouldn't by the vr's glitchy (laughs) tech or as a result of another player creating a hazard for which obsidian north was well aware like the horror house like the murder house in the hill (laughs) Kelly knew that there was a horror house in the (laughs) VR, and she knew that Obsidian North had not updated its catalog, which is even more negligent, if not grossly (laughs) negligent, for which a jury could impose some very hefty uh, multi-million dollar punitive damages against Obsidian North. Such a judgment could bankrupt Obsidian North. Uh, (laughs) Andrea and even Kelly may be named in the lawsuit and sued as Obsidian North employees. Kelly is a high-level employee who works directly with Andrea on this tech learned of the VR's glitches, and submitted a ticket for the malfunction. She, however, did not follow up on the ticket, knowing the physical <laughs> and mental harm that could be caused by the disappearing in-simulation button, that the glitchy failsafe fail safe did not work, and that players were customizing their experiences in the VR, which created hazards for other players. Kelly's knowledge of all these hazards would be imputed to Andrea as the CEO and o- owner of Obsidian North. Andrea and Kelly may also be sued in their individual capacities for which their personal personal assets would be taken to satisfy an undoubtedly heavy, hefty lawsuit judgment against them. Obsidian <laughs> North could also be subject to criminal po- prosecution for uh, involuntary manslaughter or reckless manslaughter of any VR player or consumer because the company was well aware of the extreme risk of harm, but nevertheless, nevertheless proceeded with... Conscious indifference to the rights, safety, and welfare of its v r players or consumers investing long term in a, in obsidian north is probably not a very good idea. It is not long for the business world unquote which is <laughs> what leslie uh uh foresees as the future of obsidian north
0: that's really interesting because I feel like Leslie uh outlines a lot of different legal tactics that you could take for taking down obsidian north with their um <laughs> their shoddy technology and um, (laughs) laissez-faire sort of uh, application of it and then on the other hand Susan is kind of like if they got you to sign a waiver they could probably just wrap you up in tinfoil and and put you (laughs) in the fridge as leftover so now I'm I mean it's kind of interesting two different sort of tacks it's kind of like the one tack from the business side and the other tack from like the consumer side with the ways that you could kind of go after them and then the ways that you could kind of defend the company if you were in the company.
1: Yeah, I think they both hit on the uh the fraud and the liability and the negligence uh pretty hard. Yeah.
0: Negligence was in the, uh, is, it was in both emails quite a bit. <laughs> yes.
1: So I I think that we've determined that really there's no way that Obsidian North should be successful and in business. Uh, is what it <laughs> seems like.
0: Not ignoring all those tickets, certainly. Well, that's what I always thought was really
1: weird that Andrea wouldn't have, like, come down extra hard on Kelly to make sure that that was correct. Because I've been in a a job I had before my my current job. If we didn't follow up on something, some, someone above us who was in a position of power above us would be like, y- you doing something about that ticket? You following up on that? Like somebody would be fussing at us to get that corrected. So it surprises me that uh, Andrea doesn't really seem to A, know what's going on and B, isn't really doing much of anything to correct it. So it is weird, but Kelly better watch out. If she didn't get those tickets managed, she could be liable for some stuff.
0: Yeah, seriously. I was like, oh, no, now I'm a little
1: worried about Kelly. Kelly uh, needs to be con- uh, concerned and maybe take this a little more seriously because there are murder houses, um, although it sounds <laughs> like the murder houses –
0: okay (laughs) murder houses might be fine uh (laughs) as long as it's a bad actor as long as it wasn't Margot who created them and she's not on the payroll (laughs) yeah if it's just some bad actor who's a player of the game
1: obsidian north they're fine oh man thank you so much to our supergirl radio legal consultants amazing fantastic uh so uh, i love it when you guys chime in so i'm glad we could get to those emails All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio and our um, catching up on listener feedback and some questions we got and some of the news uh, that we uh, needed to address. So if you would like to contact us, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252 and just make sure to do that before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can like us on fa- Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. Uh, at this point with the quarantine situation, uh, I'm sort of making it a goal, Morgan, to do a Supergirl live stream on Sunday afternoons uh, Nice. Since since Supergirl would have been airing on Sunday nights. Uh, Just try to have some Supergirl content up there so uh, you don't have to be there every time I do a live stream. But if you
0: want to, (laughs) if you want to spice it up. What else am I doing? Uh, Last time, if if somebody dropped in on the live stream, they could have watched me literally fold my laundry. (laughs) So (laughs) lots of fun, exciting stuff going on on those live
1: streams. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, Well, you can also listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, where we have a Spotify musical playlist uh, that now has a a musical recommendation from uh, Nicole Maines uh, that includes music featured on and inspired by the show and also recommended by actors from the show now. Uh, We're also on Radio Public and Podchaser, and we are on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com dc-fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. And thank you to Kenny Crayley who recently left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate you doing that. And you can find the links to all these things I just mentioned over at supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to the Macho Man for the DCTV plugs. Oh, yeah,
2: this is the Macho Man, Randy Savage. And I'm here to tell you, that Supergirl Radio is a part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you like other shows on their network, like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow,
0: iZombie,
2: Black Lightning, Krypton, Batwoman, Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, Stargirl, and don't forget the classic DC TV shows. You can subscribe to all this on DC TV Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and follow at DCTV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook. Oh, yeah!
1: Dig it! And you can follow me on Instagram at The Derby Kid, and you can find a lot of video content that I have been generating and creating for the University of Alabama Museums over at the UA Museums YouTube channel. I would love it if uh i could get that youtube channel to 100 subscribers uh because when you do that you get to create a custom url for the youtube channel so if Ooh. uh if 56 more people will subscribe i think i can make that happen so uh, nice. it's good content it's nature content historical content archaeology um all kinds of awesome things uh, so you're not going to be disappointed if you subscribe to that YouTube channel. Uh, I'm going to put it in the show notes. And this is just a really selfish act, ask if uh, some people <laughs> would go and follow the YouTube channel so we can get to that that custom URL because uh, that would make me happy if that was possible. But uh, there's a lot of content there. Uh, you can see some videos that I've created and uh, edited. I'm in a couple of them where I'm actually like appearing for a couple of seconds. So um, And I'm actually hosting... Live streams uh, every day, Monday through Friday, if you're interested in what we're doing at UI museums, um, it's interesting. I'm actually teaching the people I work with how to do a podcast is essentially what I'm doing now. Uh, these are oh, that's fun. <laughs> these are these are people who work in museums. They're normally plotting out exhibits and uh, giving tours and now they find themselves unable to be in the museums. So I've been uh, sort of guiding them through the process of, okay, well, you got to plan out what you want to talk about. You got to get a guest, you you know, you got to (laughs) moderate the conversation and keep it going. And they've done such a great job, but it's just really interesting. I thought about it the other day and I was like, I'm actually teaching them how to do a podcast, which is really cool. So anyway, all that to say, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. That would, uh, that would uh, make me happy and help me out a lot. And you'd get some good content out of it.
0: Well, I'm about to go and uh, hit that subscribe button right now. Nice. Um, and Thank you. In the meantime, yeah, no problem, of course. I love some good museum content in my day. <laughs> um, and then you can also find me on um, Twitter. I was about to say Twitch. I don't know how that thing works. Uh, you can't find me there. Uh, one day, maybe if we ever, if we ever break over in this, uh, this home con, uh, thing, maybe I'll be on Twitch. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> I'm at Mojotastic. And you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which we actually dropped an episode, uh, today, which, um, in, will be a couple days in the past for you listening right now. But um, it was a, a very special episode with a very special guest, which was our, our friend Sarah, who, like Rebecca, has never watched uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Oh. And we thought we'd do something fun. Like, um, if you've ever watched that show Drunk History, we were like, what if we did a Drunk History with Sarah? This The genesis of this idea was, like, a couple Comic Cons ago <laughs> um, after a party. So the genesis was was drunk and then we've returned back to that um but we were like what if we got sarah drunk and then we had her watch an episode of legends of tomorrow (laughs) with no context like a a late season episode and then we and then we just sat down and we said what is this show about tell us about the show (laughs) and then just like let her go and it was better than I thought it was even going to be. And (laughs) I thought it was going to be really funny, but her takes on the, on the, um, the show based on the one episode were fantastic. (laughs) That sounds (laughs) amazing. And in some places pretty close to like what the season was actually about, which is pretty funny. (laughs) There was like a part where she was like, I think Sarah is upset because her sister is dead. And she like wants to, she wants to save her, but she can't. And I was like, yeah, no, that's actually kind of exactly <laughs> what's happening. No context. It's amazing. Uh I'm really I was really excited about this one. We've been talking about doing it for forever basically. Um and then, you know, this uh this pandemic-based hiatus gave us uh we had no other excuses anymore. So, we finally did it.
1: Incredible. I look forward to listening. <laughs> uh that is awesome the the uh, the person who is drunk describing legends of tomorrow probably will still know more about legends of tomorrow uh than i do since i only listen to the podcast and don't watch the show (laughs) because i can listen to the podcast and know some things but there's so much visually that i miss from not watching the show so uh, i look forward to hearing the descriptions of the show by someone who is uh maybe a little little tipsy so that is very exciting I uh, look forward to that uh, quite a bit well i think that's going to do it for this week's episode of supergirl radio but until next time i'm still rebecca johnson i'm still morgan glennon and don't forget to leave us a podcast and episode review on pod so we can help out meals on wheels and try to uh, do something good during this quarantine business in this quarantine world that we find ourselves living in